Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I feel like I'm constantly reminding myself that we are all carrying around different stressors, big and small. But when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And naturally, that can start to affect everything else around us, too. Therapy can be a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I know that therapy isn't for everyone, but it definitely has benefited me in the past with learning how to sit with my feelings, set boundaries with people, and I don't know, learn how to function with a little less shame. But if you are thinking of starting therapy and access has been hard for you, maybe BetterHelp is the right fit. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. You can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MakeYourBed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MakeYourBed. Good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. Every once in a while, I come across an article that I just want to read directly from. Today is one of those days. It's coming from Raptitude.com, Getting Better at Being Human, And this one's titled, Nobody Has Seasonal Affective Disorder. Naturally, this article will be linked in the show notes if you want to check it out in its entirety, because naturally, I'm not reading the article word for word, and I'll be commenting on it throughout. But the author, David Kane, says, Several billion years ago, a cosmic accident occurred that would eventually make some of us periodically unhappy. According to scientists, a gargantuan space object hit the Earth during its formation knocking it into a tilted, wobbly spin, which is the reason there's a summer and winter. Under this strange condition, Earth's creatures evolved and thrived. Eventually, some of them became philosophers and poets who described this condition and its meaning to the rest of us. They noticed the way the sun's arc changed throughout the year and mused about the flamboyant moods and cycles of nature. They admired summer's golden daffodils and shy sumacs, and lamented winter's specter gray frost and northward thronging robins, probably unaware that the changing seasons aren't some universal system of order, but a peculiar and convoluted local side effect of two large rocks having collided a long time ago. So we have this thing we call winter, where the days tend to be low in certain mood-improving qualities like light and warmth, and they're higher in certain mood-diminishing qualities, like cold and isolation. 
This sends many of us into a compromised state for some of the year, until our part of the planet wobbles its way back around into the thicker light. And so it goes. And this is what we call seasonal affective disorder. I feel like we call it a disorder because not everyone gets it. I definitely suffer from a lot of the symptoms, but as the point the author's trying to make here, those could be symptoms of a thousand other variables. He says, given the uncertainty implied by so many variables that are around this time of year, how can we know for sure that the mood shift is because of seasonal affective disorder and not because you really miss Major League Baseball or because it gets dark at three? Apparently, the litmus test for seasonal affective disorder is that your mood suffers along with the season change. And that makes sense to me. We don't necessarily want to prescribe antidepressants to someone who is only sadder in the wintertime. So we labeled this sad. But instead of being a disorder, it's more of a tendency for many of us to get depressed and anxious in the winter. And because there are so many different variables that can cause that funk, and typically we can't trace it back to one specific one, we blame the winter or the seasons. And it makes sense to give things labels. Because if we give a name for something for the group of symptoms, then we can look to some of the interventions that helped other people who experienced those symptoms to improve the chances of coping with our own. And I feel that without the idea of seasonal affective disorder, it might not have occurred to me that sunlight is the problem, that I need to go outside and just breathe fresh air sometimes. Or even the concept that a winter funk might just be a perspective shift driven by inner chemical influences rather than objectively believing your life is getting worse. But the downside to naming it a disorder or naming anything really is that it gives you a more narrowed view of what it is that's happening and what you need to do about it. Like if you Google seasonal affective disorder right now, there will be three treatment recommendations, light therapy, psychotherapy, and medication. But because SAD isn't an official prognosis, putting a hyper-specific label on something that is more generalized and needs more nuance can limit the way that we respond to it and the way we consider responding to it, which means we might limit the success in that response. Like, I've confidently claimed I have seasonal affective disorder, I bought a light box thing, I've gone to therapy about it, and I medicate, which as of now are the top three recommendations for treatment. But in news that will shock nobody, I still get a winter funk. I still get the blues because there are infinitely complex and interconnected variables that add to my stress around this time of year. So coping with a light box and medicine and therapy might work for certain aspects, but it's not covering every variable that creates another symptom. So this author is saying we must consider that nuance when we consider how we approach it. Because once we start to consider that it's not just the sunlight, the medicine, and the therapy, we can actually start seeking out better inputs of those coping mechanisms to the various areas of our lives that feel lacking. Because as someone who has benefited from the light box therapy, 20 minutes a day in front of a light box is not nearly as medicinal as saying, I'll wake up a little earlier so I can catch the few hours of daylight and go outside, even if it's freezing, just so I can spend some time getting the vitamin D directly from the source. And by forcing myself to get up a little earlier or get outside, 
It's also improving my physical activity because if I'm standing outside, I'm definitely not standing still. And I've got friends in the neighborhood that I'll probably walk to. So not only am I improving my light exposure, but I'm also incorporating a physical aspect and a social aspect, which let's be honest, when I'm depressed, both of those things fall to the wayside. I start eating like shit. I start wanting to sleep all the time. The weighted blanket of life feels heavier. So when that happens, everything tends to pile up as a result. So I love considering seasonal affective disorder to be more of a domino effect of it getting darker sooner or colder in general as the kickoff reasons why we're not taking as much care of ourselves. But if we can kick off the taking care of ourselves, that can counteract the domino effect of the winter blues with a reverse uno of energy. I guess what I'm saying is you're less likely to do the shit that makes you feel good in the winter, which makes sense. So make it intentional to do the shit that makes you feel good so that the resistance does not trickle into other areas of your life. You know as well as I do when you get a good fresh haircut, when you go for your walk, when you make your morning smoothie, when you do the thing that makes you feel like you've got your shit together, you get your shit together in a way that doesn't feel so cumbersome. But if it's been a while since you felt like you had your shit together... It's no wonder it feels like shit. But here's the meat and potatoes from the author who says, After all, nothing really has a name. Names are crude. Low-resolution add-ons that only exist on the level of human thought. Reality does not care what you call it. It will remain its complex and ineffable self. It isn't relevant to an alligator, a 250-million-year-old creature that a subgroup of a subgroup of primates started verbally referring to them as alligators 500 years ago. So these concepts, even by ourselves, should be held loosely, because they're nowhere near as complex as the reality they're supposed to be explaining. They have no truth value in themselves. They just point you to some possibilities, while simultaneously pointing you away from others. Truth be told, every time I have the subtle reminder that language is just another coping mechanism for humans to feel like we understand what's happening and feel some sense of safety and control in that, in addition to being mind blown, I feel really empowered and liberated from the confines of language. Claiming an identity can be absolutely empowering, but that is not all you are. You are not simply an identity. You are not simply how you identify. Those are clarifications to help people better understand the reality that you are a nuanced, magical, unexplainable human with so much depth that words could never do it justice. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop trying, trying to define it, trying to make sense of it. Just make sure you're not feeling limited by those attempts. Either way, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Bye, cutie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.